Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. It has been a privilege to be here, and uh, I, I would appreciate your prayers for my wife and I. Uh, you know, really, we had a pretty full schedule uh, booked, and, uh, you know, we, we hit, I call it a divine delay, a divine delay. That's what it is. And so, uh, you know, our next meeting will probably be late May, and then we're really scheduled solid June through uh, November into December. And so, Looking forward to all those meetings. We'll be kind of all over the place in uh, Tennessee and uh, North South Carolina, Virginia. Uh, so we have a lot of uh, Florida, a lot of different meetings, places, uh, particularly on the eastern seaboard, on the eastern coast. But pray for us and pray for Israel. Uh, they need your prayers. I mean that. Uh, you know, and the elections have been indecisive and conclusive. Um, one thing to pray for. I've mentioned this, um, and if you, if we have a prayer uh, sheet out on the table that you can sign up for our prayer letter, and uh, if you, if you're at home and you'd like to be on our our prayer list, you just notify somebody here at the church, and we'll get the name. We can put you on our or our prayer list that we sent, or our uh, update list rather that we send out. And uh, one thing I've mentioned, this is a serious prayer request. In the elections in Israel, we really need. Uh, the Orthodox Jews to lose their political power. That's critical. The, for example, the people who control how you get in, like it would be equivalent to our State Department, it's called the Ministry of Interior in Israel, they're Hasidic Orthodox Jews. And so that's who you have to get, get through to get into Israel, and that's what makes it difficult. If they lose their political power, it will ease things up. Uh, for people trying to bring the gospel to Israel. So if you want to pray for something for Israel, you could pray about that, that God would uh, see fit to have the Orthodox Jews lose their power. Uh, another example is the head of their health ministry, like the head health guy in Israel is an Orthodox Jew. Israel, they, they've been so frustrated because with this virus situation, they're asking this guy, they asked him in a press conference, I watched it, they said, what do you think is the answer to the coronavirus uh, here in Israel? Of course, he's not a doctor or a scientist. He's, he's an Orthodox Jew. And he said, he said, I believe our answer is, I think the Messiah will come. And when the Messiah comes, uh, we got ahead on our slides there. Let's see. When the Messiah comes, uh, he will lead us out of this virus just like Moses led us out of Egypt. And so, anyway, that's kind of how they think. But... Uh, pray about that if you would. Let's go in our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, if you would. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is a familiar text of Scripture, and I hope that it's not so familiar that we can't get anything from it. I, I don't know about you, a lot of times I read this morning in my devotions... 1 Samuel 17 read the whole story about David and Goliath. And I was sitting there, man, I get so excited about reading God's Word. God's Word ought not to get old to you. Amen? And so let's not have that be. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. The Apostle Paul writes, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Dear God, we thank you for the privilege to have and to hold your holy word. Lord, what we need tonight is not the words of this preacher, but what we need tonight is your word. And we thank you for the word of God. And we pray as we look at it tonight, help us to lay aside what we've been doing, to lay aside what we've been busy with today, and have an open heart to look at this great promise that you're coming back. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I have a great deal of respect for people who served in the military. I personally have enjoyed getting to know older men who served in World War II. In June of 1944, my father was on a ship headed to Omaha. I don't mean Omaha, Nebraska. My father was on the first wave of men who landed at Normandy on D-Day. And he ran up on the beach that day, that morning. He ran up. Obviously, it was tremendous bloodshed with men being killed. Uh, that's a picture of my dad right there. We kind of look a little bit alike. Uh, but he landed at Normandy, ran up on the beach, and he was helping someone else, and a bomb went off right near my dad. People think a lot of men were hurt on the beaches at Normandy by being shot. Uh, most men were hurt by bombs and shrapnel. And my father, uh, who was helping another man, uh, was hit in the leg. He was hit in the back calf tore his leg up, and he was taken... My father left blood on the beach in Normandy that first day. He was taken off the beach and brought back. And uh, I remember my dad never talked about the, his service in the military. I'd say, Dad, what happened to your leg? He'd say, oh, son, that happened a long time ago. Don't you worry about it. A lot of those World War II guys wouldn't talk about it. But every so often, you'd run across a guy who would be willing to... How many here, have you ever talked to somebody in World War II that was in World War II? I, I just always find that amazing. I had a friend who went through a lot of action in World War II. He was in the Pacific Theater. His name was Bob Slusher. And Bob told me the story one time that he was in the Pacific and he was fighting the Japanese... And he was on an island, and he was in the jungle, and he said, Bill, he said, we would go in, and we'd be in there for a month. And he said, you'd never take a shower, you never have a bath, you're eating K-rations, you're filthy, you're grimy, you're dirty, and you might come out for a little bit, and then you'd go back in. He said, one time, I had been in there for weeks, and we had been moving through the jungle, you know, that, that type of warfare, you know. And, and uh, he said, it was, I was filthy, I was dirty. Uh, and, and he said, we got into a big firefight, and he got hit. 
this guy, had, he, he was in the military. He got wounded like three different occasions. He was in prison one time. He has a crazy story. But anyway, he got hit and he said, the last thing I remember was falling on the ground and I remember I was dirty, I was muddy, and I hit the ground and it was all dirty. And he said, and then I woke up and he said, I was laying on my back and when I woke up, everything was white. He said it was all white. And he thought to himself, man, I, I died and I'm in heaven. And he, he started looking around and he raised his arm up and he was wearing a, a, a white cloak, like a tunic almost. He said, man, I, I must be in heaven. And he looked around and he, he, do you know where he was, right? He was in the hospital is where he was. And he looked around and he said that there were white curtains. He said everything was white. And then he said, you know, I'm just waking up and I see this figure go by and it was all white with this white hat. And he said, I thought that must be an angel, you know, and it was a nurse, you know. But I remember Bob telling me that story and he went from the grime of that earth to a place to him that looked like heaven. Now, I'm here to tell you tonight, as a Christian, there's coming a day we're going to leave this whole world, and we're going to go to a much better place, a beautiful place called heaven. And I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to it. Whether you go by the rapture, or whether you go through winding up dying and, and meeting the Lord that way, either way, it'll be a blessing. Here in 1 Thessalonians 4, God gives us the details about the rapture. We saw this slide last night, but I just want to review it. Where we are now on the left side is the church age. The very next event to happen will be what's called the rapture. Christ will come not all the way to the earth. He will come in the clouds and he will call up his children off of this world and we will go up into heaven to meet the Lord in the air, and at that point, the tribulation period will begin. After the tribulation period is what we spoke about last night called the second coming or when he comes back to Armageddon. And so that's the difference there. Here's an example of the, the two differences. Jesus will return twice in the future. First of all, the rapture of, the, of Christ and the return of Christ. So there's these two comings. What we're talking about tonight is that first one, the next one coming, called the rapture. Now here at the church at Thessalonica, people were getting a little bit mixed up. Thessalonica is in Greece. It's in northern Greece. You can see it on the map there. They were a little mixed up and worried about what would happen to the loved ones who they had already buried, these Christian loved ones who had died and they were buried, where were they going to be in this whole rapture kind of thing? And so that was their question about that. Now, when you look at the purpose here, uh, there's three purposes. Let's look at what the purposes are of this book. Paul's happiness about the church. He was glad about that. Not only that, he wanted to refute false charges about him. But finally, what Paul writes about here is to correct some doctrinal errors concerning prophecy. And that's what we're going to see here. What we're going to see tonight, look here, look at what the slide says. We should be blessed by the Christ's return in the rapture first by seeing the correction Paul's going to make. Now let's look first of all the concern. Here's what happened. Paul 
had sent Timothy to check on their welfare. And Paul was going to meet up with Timothy, and Timothy went up to Thessalonica, and he was checking out how things were going at this church. And if you remember in the book of Acts, when Paul went to Thessalonica, he was run out of town by the Jewish leaders. Remember that? And so he wasn't there in that city very long. And he was wondering, I wonder how the people up there in that city are doing. Well, when Timothy comes back, Paul's like, what's the news? What's the news? And Timothy says, Brother Paul, it's uh, good news and it's bad news. The good news is these people still love God. The good news is, these people still love you, brother. The good news is, these people love God's Word. The bad news is, they're a little mixed up on prophecy. And they're worried about what's going to happen to their relatives. That sets the stage for this answer that Paul is writing them as he writes this book. He's writing the answer to the question. So look at verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. The word ignorant means not knowing or misunderstanding. These folks were grieving what would happen to their loved ones who had died. Look at verse 14. Well, look at verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or who have died, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So in verse 14, look at it again. Them also which sleep in Jesus, Christians who have already died, will God bring with him. Let me say this. If you know a Christian who has died and gone on to heaven, they're okay, they're with the Lord. Look up here. Watch what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. It says, We are confident, I say, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be what? Present with the Lord. Let's all say that together. Ready? Present with the Lord. Present with the Lord. We're talking about people who have died. When they die and they know Christ, they are present with the Lord. Isn't that a blessing? Can you say amen tonight? Let's say amen. Amen. That's a blessing. If you're at home, say amen. Let's all say amen together. Ready? You at home as well. Amen. Let's say, ready? I didn't hear Miss Perry. Miss Perry, are you, are, did you say amen? And I didn't hear Brother Yule either. Brother Yule, maybe, is he working tonight? I don't know. He's not here tonight, is he? I didn't hear them at all. Let's all say amen together for Miss Perry and Brother Yule, because I didn't hear either of them. Ready? Amen. I heard Miss Perry. I still didn't hear Brother Yule. Are you paying attention, brother? All right, listen, let's look at verse 14. Watch what it says, okay? Verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Okay? And so that's what's going to happen. So what we see here is we should be blessed by Christ's return in the rapture. We see the correction Paul has given here, but now watch. We should be blessed by Christ's return in the rapture by seeing the confidence. Look at the truth in verse 15. Check it out. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are 
asleep. Now notice the truth here. Watch what he says. Look at verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. This is not simply the word of a man. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm glad what I'm holding in my hand is the word of the Lord. Amen. I can trust this, okay? You don't need uh, uh, some great teacher to tell you what's in here. You can read it for yourself. Amen. We have a book we can trust, okay? It says, it says here, for this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I can trust what I learn here. Amen. As a boy, I think I told you, I went all through Catholic school, first grade to fifth grade. I can say all the prayers. I used to go to a priest in a little closet, and I'd bless myself and say, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. It's been three weeks since my last confession. And he would say, go ahead, my son, begin. And I used to have to confess all my sins to that priest. Man, I'm glad I don't have to follow that kind of teaching anymore. My Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. But you know what? That was coming from something other than God's Word, you see. When I got saved, my parents brought a priest over to see me. Brought that man in our living room. We had a big old meeting. I was 18 years old. I had just gotten saved. God brought me out of the world of drugs and drinking and partying and changed my life miraculously and gave me a new road in life. And they brought uh, Father, uh, Father Shillette over to see me. And he sat down and they talked and he said, Now, Bill, what happened to you? And I told him, I said, I got saved. He said, Who talked to you about this? I said, I said, Calvary, it was Calvary Baptist in Lansdale. I told him, I said, Calvary Baptist Church in Lansdale, right? You went there, right? And you know what that priest said to me? He said, I thought so. We've lost a lot of people to that church, is what he said. I said, it wasn't in that church people were lost to. It was people uh, came to Christ in their lost condition and got saved, amen? But here we have the word of the Lord. Now watch verse 15. Look at verse 15 that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. There will be a group of believers who will be alive and taken up off of this old world. Won't that be great? Amen. I don't know if it will be you or me, but it could be. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe Jesus could come back today? I don't know about you, but I believe he could. Amen. I heard about a preacher that every night he went to the window blind and, and he pulled down the blind. And before he pulled the blind, he looked up at the sky and he said, maybe tonight, maybe tonight. And every morning he went and he opened the blind and he said, maybe today, maybe tonight. Oh, what, oh that God would have in our hearts instilled that we would say, maybe tonight, maybe today. Amen. What a great thing. Watch what verse 15 says. Shall not prevent them, proceed or go before. The folks who have died, their bodies will rise up first. Somebody said, because they have a longer way to go. Now look at verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Who does this? Watch what it says. The Lord Himself, Amen. Isn't that great? He doesn't send an angel. It's not some great man. It's the Lord 
himself shall do what? Descend from heaven. And then Jesus will appear in the sky with three sounds. Watch these three sounds. With a shout. It's the Greek word kuluma. And that word means it's a military command. It has the idea, it's a shout. It's like a military command. Command. It's going to be something like, come up here. It's not a question, well, would you come up here? It's not a suggestion, well, maybe y'all ought to come up here. It's a command. Come up here. Amen? Now watch this. That's one, with a shout. Check this out. With the voice of the archangel. Now who is the archangel? Does anybody know who the archangel is? That would be Michael. Probably very loud. Now watch this. With the trump of God, I need a volunteer. Anybody here ever play a, a trumpet or anything like that? Raise your hand if you play trumpet or anything like that. Okay. Uh, Aaron, come on up here. Hurry up, man. You're wasting it. These people want to go home tonight. Come on, hurry up. Come on up here. Hurry up. Come on, man. Now grab, I've got two shofars down there. Grab both of those and bring them up. Let's show people. This is what they use in Israel. Look here. Let me take the little one first. This is a shofar. This is a smaller shofar. And uh, my wife and I got this last or uh, two years ago up in the Golan Heights. We actually went to a place where the guy makes them. Uh, very uh, respected, uh, sacred Jewish guy that makes shofars. He's well known. He's the top guy in all of Israel. You have to make an appointment to go see him. I called him up one day and said, can we come up there? And it was just me, me and my wife. We drove all the way, went up to the Sea of Galilee. You go to the Sea of Galilee on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, and there's a road. You turn a hard right, and man, it winds up away up a mountain. And next thing you know, you're up on the Golan Heights, and that's where this guy lived at. And he had, he had probably, would you say hundreds of these things, huh? Probably hundreds of these things, you know. And he showed us how he made them and all that. But this is from, in fact, it says right there, Kol Shofar. Kol in Hebrew means all. And all Shofar is uh, the guy's company or business. And uh, so he, he, I bought this from him, right? But this is another one. This is a ram's horn, right? And this is another one. This is from a kudu deer, okay? Oops, sorry, preacher. And, uh, but anyway, this is a real long one. They use these in synagogues, okay? For uh, ceremonial type of things, like on, uh, say, Rosh Hashanah, uh, you know, on the New Year, or Yom Kippur, or some high holy day, uh, they have them all doctored up. They'll have gold. Each rabbi has their own, you know, and, and they'll have gold bands on them, and they're all doctored up. But this is an ancient trumpet that they would use in Israel. They used it, you know, from a, a, a ram's horn, or this is from a kudu deer. Now, I want you to hear, because I don't know if this is what it's going to sound like, but it might. So I want you to hear. So if you hear that sound from above, you know, uh, kick your shoes off because you're going up. Amen? Ready? Go ahead. Now, you try to... We're going to hope and pray that Aaron can do this, okay? Now, wait a minute. This, uh, first of all, I want you to know, this has been professionally cleansed and sanitized by the pastor of this church and has given a written statement that there is no coronavirus on this shofar. Okay, go ahead, brother. Try that. Oh, you got to hold it up real high. See if he can play this. Wow, that's great. Give him a hand. All right. Uh, One more time. One more time. Move over here in the microphone. Do it right there. Go ahead. Try it now. Let's go up. Amen. All right. Good job. Okay, we'll do this. Amen. There you go. Great. Thank you, brother. Well, you know what? It says with the 
trump of God, amen? And I don't know if it's a shofar or not, but whatever it is, we'll hear it and we'll go up. Watch the transition here. Check it out in verse 17. Then, that's a transitional word. See it, verse 17? It's a word of sequence. Then, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Watch what he says here, the first word, then. It's a word of sequence. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's where the word rapture comes from. You can see it on my slide right now. The word rapture comes from the Latin word raptus, okay? And it was translated from the original Bible Greek word, in the Latin, so it's a Latin word. It's been used for a long time, this word rapture. It's transliterated from, it went from Greek to Latin and then into English and uh, maintained that kind of sound. And it comes from the word to be caught up. The word caught up means to be removed by force, to be seized by force. I remember, I hope this isn't true, but I remember reading old Warren Wearsby, and old Warren Wearsby said, I hope that the word's idea of being, of being seized by force does not mean that God's people are so clinging onto this earth with their fingernails that he has to physically remove them off of it. I hope it's not that, amen? That we're not so uh, uh, tuned into this world that we don't want to leave it, Amen. I don't know about you, I'm ready to go, amen? There's a few things I'd like to get done, amen? I'd like to see Israel get saved, amen? There's a few things, but I'll tell you what, if uh, whenever God says it's time, we'll go then, amen? Hey, listen, I like what Paul said over in 1 Corinthians 15. Check out this verse. He writes about the rapture. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. The twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. What a blessing. He says, in a moment. The word moment is the Greek word atomos, like the word atom, something very small, momentary, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. You know how fast your eye blinks? A fraction of a second. This rapture is going to take place instantaneously. It's not going to be slow motion. It's going to be very, very fast. Christians could be at home. They could be at work. They could be doing their thing. Now, I'll tell you what I personally believe, and a brother shared this with me earlier, and I believe this, by the way. I think that there are people yet to be saved. And I think, I personally believe, I think the last person who's going to get saved in this time period, in this dispensation, if you will, the last per- when the last person gets saved, I think he's coming back then. That's what I think. And that's why in the meantime, we have a job to do. In the meantime, as Christians, we ought to be motivated to try to reach people for Christ, to try to go out of our way to try to reach people. You know, I could tell you story after story of people I've talked to in Israel and, and who are open. My son and I, a few years ago, I, I've, I've taken my son, just me and him. I've taken my wife, just me and him. And, and I've gone myself and uh, with another fella. And, but a few years ago, we were driving, and I was trying to find a place. I was in Tiberias, which overlooks the Sea of Galilee. And we were in Tiberias, and I walked into a hotel, and I got to talking to two young ladies who were working the desk. And I, I pulled out a gospel track for that girl, and I walked her through. And she, that girl, you know what? She lit up, and she said... 
This is exactly what I am looking for. She told me, she said, I was raised Jewish. And she said, I've I've been raised Jewish. And she said, I've studied Islam on my own. She said, but when I study the Bible of the Christian, she said, there's something about it that just makes sense. You see, listen, there are still open people who are ready to get saved. And so he says here, look at verse 17. We will meet the Lord in the air. Man, that'll be a blessing. In the air, way up in the clouds. So what a blessing that will be. So look up here, look at the slide here, what we said so far. Got it, there we go. Check it out. Here's the outline so far. We should be blessed by Christ's return in the rapture. We've seen the correction. Paul fixes their mistake, the confidence, but finally, by seeing the comfort. Notice the certainty in verse 17. Check out verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Notice the certainty. Check it out. Look at the phrase in verse 17. Look at the end of verse 17. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. This is not a maybe. This is not a possibility. This is a certainty. We will be with the Lord. But I'll tell you what, I've done, brother, I don't know about you, but I'll just tell you what, this is no bragging rights at all. I've done some weddings. I've done some weddings. And I'll just tell you, ladies, every wedding I've ever done, ever done the bride, I, I've never done a wedding where there was not a beautiful bride. Not yet, anyway, you see. But I'll tell you what, I've done a lot of funerals. Brother, I've, I've counted. I know I've done at least 200 funerals in my time. I know I have. Because I've, I've added them up. I've done at least... I've, I've done burials for a lot of people. Mostly saved, some lost. I've had Christians who were near death. I've been with Christians. I've been right next to Christians when they died. I'm standing right at their bedside. I've watched on multiple occasions. I've watched believers take their last breath. Stood there and watched it. I had in one case, I was standing next to, to, a, to a brother in the Lord, and his mother was dying, and I watched her take her last breath. And he looked at me, and I looked at him, and he said, Is she gone, preacher? She was laying right there, and we were standing right by her bed. And I looked at Ricky, and I said, Yes, sir, she's gone. I've had this happen many times, multiple times, where I've been around people. I've also been with Christians when they knew they were going to die. And they knew they had a day or two left. Doctors had told them, and they were winding down. And I've had, I had one brother, he was a, he was a real good friend, and he, he, had, he had been in World War II, he flew planes over Germany and, and told stories about that, but he, he, asked me, he asked me one day, he, and, and I think it was the day of, I think it was the morning of, and then he died that afternoon. He said, Preacher, I, I, I want to know, is, I believe this all my life. He said, is this the truth? That man was on the threshold of dying, and he had been in church, like a church just like this. In fact, the church looked like this. And I said, yeah, yeah, brother, this is all true. You can, you can take this to the bank, brother. Notice what it says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's a certainty to this. How long? Ever be with the Lord. Where? With the Lord. Notice the command now. 
you see the certainty, check out the command in verse 18. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. This verse is an imperative. We must do this. Wherefore, because of what was just said, look what he says, comfort one another. Comfort is the Greek word parakaleo. It means to comfort. It means to encourage. I'm going to tell you something, Christian. I'm going to tell you something, brother, tonight. I'm going to tell you something, sister, tonight. This is something we as Christians do not do. We don't do this, and God says to do it. He says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time somebody came up to you and said, hey, my brother, hey, you know what? It's going to be all right because, bless God, Jesus is coming back. When's the last time somebody... It says here, wherefore, comfort one another, encourage, exhort, comfort one another with these words. It ought to be something that we do. Amen? Uh, We need to remind one another. You know, hey, (laughs) the world can get awfully dark when all we're doing is watching Fox News. Amen? And you're... and, uh, and I watch the news, I do, and I, can't, I pay attention to the news, okay? And I, I, I even, you, you think I'm crying, I even sent Sean Hannity a Bible, put it, had his name imprinted on it, and sent Sean Hannity, it said, Sean Hannity figured out how to spell his name, put it, had it engraved on a Bible, and sent him a note about how to be saved. I don't know if he ever got it or not, but I sent it to him, you know. So you know what? You, you, it, can, it can get awfully dark when you're, watching the news and we're hearing about the virus and all that. But I'll tell you what, as a Christian, if anybody ought to have a smile on their face, it ought to be you and me. Amen. Comfort one another with these words. Look up here. Jesus may come at any time. Check out the verse. It says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever, ever, that's forever, be with the Lord. And here's the thing. What did Jesus say? Watch what Jesus said. Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. Amen? We don't know when it'll be, but He's coming quickly. And I'll tell you what, we're closer today. I wish we would get in our heart like that preacher when he pulled the blinds down at night said, Maybe tonight. When he opened the blinds in the morning, he'd look out and say, Dear Lord, maybe today. This is a great truth that we have in our Bible called the rapture. And it's something we ought to take to heart and share with one another and encourage one another. I heard about a little girl, like one of these little ones right here. I heard about a little girl who went home after hearing the preacher talk about the rapture. The pastor had had given a whole message on the rapture. And the little girl went home and she was thinking, you know how kids are, right? And... uh, The little girl said to her mom, she said, "Uh, Mommy, could Jesus really come at any time? And the mother said, Yes, honey, he, He can come at any time. The little girl thought for a little bit. She said, Mommy, could could Jesus come this week? And the mother said, Have you ever been a mom and you get a thousand questions? You ever have that happen? And the mother said, Yes, honey, He could come this week. And the little girl said, Mommy, could, could Jesus come today? And now the mom, yes, honey, Jesus could come today. And the little girl said, Mommy, could Jesus come this hour? 
And she said, yes, honey, Jesus could come this hour. And the little girl left and went to her room. A little bit later, she came out with a beautiful dress on and said, Mommy, would you do my hair? (laughs) That girl was getting ready, amen? Hey, I'll tell you what, nothing like childlike faith, amen? And that's what we need. We ought to be encouraged. And you know what? This ought to give us comfort in knowing that he's coming back and he says in his word, Behold, I come quickly. But it also ought to motivate us to try to reach people for Christ, amen? Don't forget, take a gospel tract when you go and seek someone to give it out, amen? And God will bless you for it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the great truth that, Lord, we can know for sure and for certain that you are coming back. Thank you for the great certainty in this. We pray that in the meantime, Lord, you'll help us to have a heart to reach others for you. Help us, Lord, to be motivated to take a gospel tract. Lord, help us to realize that every time we go out to the hardware store, to the grocery store, these are divine appointments. Help us to view it as such. These are divine appointments that we have with people, that we can give them your word. Help us, Lord, to treat it that way and to view it with great value because we never know who we may reach. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. Ask you to join me in standing with heads bowed and eyes closed. Piano's going to be in the play. I, uh, great message this evening. Let me encourage you about that passage. It is to be a comfort, number one, to you. And right now you need to make sure that it is a comfort to you because you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. Then as it's a comfort to us, then we can share that comfort with one another. And so let me encourage you. Maybe the Lord's laid somebody on your heart even tonight. Maybe a fellow believer that's been having a hard time through this pandemic. Would you use this passage and this truth that you've been uh, reconfirmed of this evening to encourage them? Maybe God's laid someone on your heart to share the gospel with, to hand a tract to, to call, even tonight, and share the gospel with. I don't know how the Lord has spoken, but I know He has, because He's promised to do so through the preaching of His Word. So let me encourage you to respond right now in this invitation. Would you pray about it? If it's a decision that needs to be made, made make that decision. If the Lord's convicted you about something, I'd encourage you to confess it, repent of it, make it right. If the Lord has asked you to do something and laid it on your heart to reach somebody, would you just pray and ask God for boldness, for wisdom, for the right words to say and the opportunity to do so. Let's go to Him in prayer and pray about how we can apply this message in our own lives.
appreciate it so very much, Brother Dylan. Great message, good reminder, and boy, looking forward to that day, aren't you? I remember praying from even a young child. I, I remember praying many a day, Lord, I want to see the rapture. And, uh, and, I, and death's okay, but boy, rapture will be even better, amen? And uh, great.